Welcome back to the AC. It's me again, Tommy Ayers, your host. And I'm your co-host, uh, Nomad. I have a G in my name, like Gnome, like a lawn gnome. So <laughs> deal with it. Uh, anyway, I wanted to quickly touch back on some things. This is going to be a reoccurring bit at the beginning of podcast. Instead of doing that um, weird thing where it sounds like I'm on a stage and I'm announcing stuff because I'm all excited, I'm just going to go into... Th- Things that I wanted to touch back on from the earlier episode that I didn't feel like got elaborated on well enough or whatever. So here they are as follows. I totally played video games as a kid. I just didn't have many online games until like later and I had a computer, but I usually just used like computer generated name tags, but I really didn't do the gamer tag thing for a long time until I got the Xbox. Hence, I created the happy sampling way later on. It is my first gamer tag. But anyone who knows me knows I totally played video games and there were a few people who were like, oh, you actually, oh, I'm pretty sure you played video games as a kid. Um, I also want to rip on myself for not using people's pseudonyms because that's literally why they're there. So in the future, I will do my best to do that. And uh, yeah, I want to revisit something. I called it emotional behavioral therapy, but it's actually called cognitive behavioral therapy. That's the therapy where they get like more into like personal coping mechanisms based on your personality, what you've been through and more of like a personal relationship with you so they can develop behavior old things that you do that are better fitted personally instead of just being like a broader subject. I want to rip on myself for not editing that bit that I said literally at the beginning, I'm going to edit this part out. And then for like 30 excruciating seconds, there's just kind of like noise and like a little bit of chatter. And it's just, it it was rough and cringy. Um, I also want to say that I don't really know what that painting is called at the, whatever the museum in Oklahoma city with the chihuly glass. Oh yeah. I don't know what the painting's called there, but it's blue and it's annoying. Um, I also think that I'm gonna try to keep it like segmental because a lot of people said they listen to it in parts. So I'm gonna try to keep it easier to do that so it, that way you're not having to cut it off in bits. And yeah, so if you have any other notes or anything from the last episode that I didn't touch on just now, please feel free to let me know. But that's all the things that I noticed when I listened to it. Can I add a little bit? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Uh, thank you for all the feedback for our first episode, right? That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. The people who reached out helpful. on social media, there was even a couple people who like emailed the account. I knew the people who reached out personally, but I still really appreciate the input because it, I'm just trying to figure out what a good way to do this is because I want to keep doing it for a long time. And I, I don't know, we, when you do things like that and you're doing it for an audience, you want to make sure that your audience enjoys what they're listening to. So, anyway, I'm just going to start episode two now. Second one, same verse as the first. Just kidding. It's going to be better. I don't know. Yeah. 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 So, I don't know. Me personally, you take your Pokeball and it shoots a beam of light at your Pokemon. That beam of light particleizes your Pokemon's matter into a form of light energy, takes it into the Pokeball, translates that light energy into binary, and then that binary is put into some form of server that is like the perceived perfect reality for that Pokemon. Like the, the Pokemon database is yeah. that what you're referring to, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you said like maybe in an episode you remembered something about like seeing the slots. Yeah, well, you see you can see the slots. And this I remember inside of a Pokeball, which isn't accurate, I don't feel like, because you have separate Pokeballs. But it could be that you're in the database, but they were, anyway. You I have feel different like it's slots. Having it be in one like core server place makes where, sense. Where where you could see, I think it was um, Psyduck in the top corner, and then all the other slots were empty. So I, he was alone. He was he didn't want to be in his Pokeball, probably right. I think ah, that's, it was trying to show why Psyduck didn't want to be in his Pokeball. I think so. That makes sense. So is that episode of Pokemon? where they're on that sweet-ass island, and it's all of Ash's Pokemon 
and Pikachu is like has beef with a Raichu. Um, you know, I this is a memory as a kid. Same. I just it's kind of vivid because I I remember thinking that's really weird because you don't see the inside of a Pokeball, and I always kind of I imagined it was kind of like a home of some sort, but from that perspective, it was not. It seemed it you. seemed less fun that way. Yeah, that yeah, that is less fun. But it's it is interesting how they use the database to like you have to be in your Pokeball to like transmit your Pokemon. You have to do that. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Because it has to the energy cool. Because they don't want to dif- make things difficult if it can just transfer immediately from it. It's just like the same like this microphone to my computer. It's an encoding software, so it just boop right knows it that's kind of cool to think about what else is cool is we've looked a little bit into this already and the actual modern pokeball wasn't invented until 1925 and that's if you think about it like our universe that's kind of yeah if you think about the pokemon universe to our time scale it's to say that like like we talked about earlier like when we were going over this the Pokemon world is like more advanced than ours because of how much more advanced their flora and fauna is. They're, with Pokemon being right. the natural animals, they the adapted energy. quicker because they were like, what is that thing doing? Like, right. seeing Pikachu use electricity, yeah, they probably boom. figured that shit out way really quicker. Really fast. Little, little Pokemon Benjamin Franklin. Because the Pokeball, the, what, tra- what I just talked about with all that energy and transferring, 1925. That's yeah. crazy. There are theories There's, to say that, like, maybe that did happen in our lifetime and, like, World War II was something that was a lot more atrocious than we'd like to admit because of the capacity of our technology. I so see. we, like, went back. Like, somebody who was in power went back and, like, eliminated all that from history and, like, we had, like, a common sense consent thing where we just, like, didn't talk about it for a few generations. Right. People use that to explain why our great-grandparents were so pissed. They would say it's the Great Depression, but we would say the Great Depression is when they took all our technology away and we didn't know what to do. Huh. But anyway, interesting perspective. I've never it, it is weird, and that, that is a conspiracy theory that we but should I touch know, in on sometime. Yeah, for sure. Um, another thing that's weird is what Pokemon is based on. And this is going to be kind of like a roundabout way to loop this into a movie we saw yesterday. But it's it's based on like the general idea of like Japanese spirits. Like I guess was like the original idea. And like it did get confabulated quite a bit, but like yeah, now it's changed into like Pokemon are gods. So much more. And yeah. They've had to backtrust the origin. But like they the loosely base a lot of it off of like some in some regions they call them kami and some they call them yokai um and like it depends on like in the shinto religion it means another thing um or i and i i think i have those terms right i have um some references to it but like i it is i can safely say it depends on where you're from and what you believe in and what your family believes in what you call them and what they are perceived to you but basically, they're, they're like spirits. They're like spirits, is what they're loosely based on. And um, in like the Eastern interpretation, spirits are a lot broader. But in the Western interpretation, you get crazy yeah. shit. Like in the movie we saw, um, we saw Annabelle, uh, Annabelle Comes Home. And that was, it's a movie that's like in the Conjuring universe, which is like, I think, eight movies right now. A few of them are in development, so it would make it like 14 but um basically covering the warren's actual yeah the warren family and it covers the movies didn't come out chronologically but they are they do have a chronological order and the first one like in the actual timeline of the warrens would be the nun which is like a story about a nun who becomes possessed by i think either like actually the devil or just a demon in particular um but a lot of it is in the movie it it touches on like this room that uh, they had which the lady herself lorraine warren um she died this year which is like this movie paid homage to her but they had a room in their house that was like part of like the museum that was in the back part of her house her whole life which had like the the artifacts it's like the united states biggest compendium of cursed artifacts 
And in that, in real life, it's a Raggedy Ann doll, but I think in creating the movie, they wanted to make the doll creepier, so they I, made it a porcelain doll. I think they really franchised with it. They I did. They, they did. really did. It's similar to... But a, she's a Raggedy Ann yeah. doll in real life. But they have all these things, and they really had her in a glass container made of chapel glass. Um, and in the movie, it just kind of shows like some of their most notable cases coming back to life because somebody opened this room and let Annabelle out, and Annabelle is literally like a beacon to Satan himself. Uh, but it was crazy to kind of see... I, I look into that stuff, like esoterica, Judeo-Christian beliefs, or even just like, as far as like religion goes, just like all of that stuff. But I like the st stuff that's more fascinating to me is the weirder, creepier, paranormal-y stuff. And one, I like to see those movies because of their, the way that they depict things. Like in this movie, they actually show like Satan himself or yeah. like a demon itself. And it's literally like, they show a lot. Of it's the most pagan interpretation of it. Just this nasty little pig goat man looks like looks like Dave Grohl from Tenacious D when he plays Satan. Just like oh yeah yeah just classic and like true. as far as like what is accounted and the more like detailed or like considered true accounts of like demons and stuff like that they take the form of what's scariest to you. So it would be cooler to see something that placates off of that more but instead they have them be more physical and tangible but what right. brought to light through seeing this movie to me was like how different it is because here in the west it's like heaven and hell angels are demons but in greece demon and daemon it was d-e-m-o-n and d-e-a-m or yeah i think it was d-a-e-m-o-n that was good and bad right and in a lot of the eastern part of the world, it was like all kinds of things. In India, you have spirits called Mara, and they're like emotional entangled beings. And a lot of their other spirits are very specific and all have their own things. And in chat, like Japan, you have like what I talked about earlier, but like each of them has a different role. And like sometimes they're used to explain little things that like little inconsistencies or discomforts or little things that happen. Like there's like Anytime a plant falls, that's because of this type of guy, that kind of thing. Right. And in some beliefs, they're very, very, very specific. And like, um, it's like there's one type of spirit that seduces men by having, like, taking on a human form. And then when they leave, like, the men cry out for them because, like, they, their souls are, like, connected to this woman. And, like, they need to give it to her. And they cry out when she's close. All kinds of different things, but like that's weird. That's yeah, a weird one. <laughs> it's a weird one, and like she, they take the form of like cat or like dog people. They they get weird and they get specific, but like it's to say that like the further west you go, the more it tries to get pinpointed and be very specific as to like what's caused. And I'd like to see horror movies that kind of branch out from that. Yeah, I want to see. There's a lot of horror movies that I think do a decent job of that. Mm -hmm. Like, you, did you ever see that movie? Um, it's called The Box, I think. It's Box. about the. It's about a button that would kill someone. Yeah. Randomly. With Cameron um, Diaz, she you get, get a shit ton of money for yeah, it. Yeah, get a shit ton of money. That movie has a lot. It's it sounds very simple, but at the end, it gets very um, dark. Very out there, very universally, mm -hmm. like... I don't even... It, it doesn't... I don't know if it makes any sense. It's been a while since I've seen the movie itself, but there's a part where they're in a room, and there's just, like, a door that leads to another, like, universe. And that stuff is just, like... I don't know why you put it in there, but... Sure as hell is, um... Kind of rad. Yeah. <laughs> made the movie not so dark. Yeah. The movie was pretty weird. So... One thing that I do want to take note is, like, with the Warren family, a lot of it is, like, widely speculated and, like, seen as either untrue or, like, eyewitness or police accounts say that their evidence doesn't match the actual evidence. But I'm willing to say that, like, if that stuff was real and it did happen on that scale and get that intense, like, especially with their first case being in, like, 1952 or one of their first major cases to say that, like... Would they want any kind of knowledge out about demonology to I don't be know. true? Would I they want it to back it up? But oh, you know what I mean? Like the powers that be at the time, I really feel like it would be 
Not you're talking in their about best the, interest. Are you talking about the spirits themselves? Or Not like, the spirits themselves. The people releasing that information. The people like, releasing it, yeah. The Warren family actually does do something with demons. And the local government can either say, yeah, that totally happened. Or no, it was just crazy people. Go back to your business. Do you think they maybe worked with them at some point? I'm sure I, they did. They always did. Like one of the things, there was like an account about like a group of kids that were possessed by demons in New York. And the police account says that when the Warrens got there, they were immediately turned away. But the Warrens account says that they like spent weeks living with those kids and figuring out exactly oh, what was up. Okay. So it's like they put a big X on it and they're like, no, nothing's happening here. Go back to your business. And they're like, yeah, yeah you guys get, well, I don't know what the fuck is going yeah, on. We don't, we don't, you know what I mean? But they're going to cover it up because they don't want people to know that there is shit that we don't understand that like very few people do. And yeah, they do. They do make a lot of, it's a very, uh, television-y at this point, but they do make a lot of like cop shows where they're like got a medium or like a psychic and yeah, yeah that yeah. stuff happens. I'm sure it happens. I'm sure it happens and like it just depends on the community that you're in but like some places really regard like like this is the Lorraine, Lorraine lady like a lot of people who have met her and that's the thing like you either get people who say she's an absolute crackpot or like they say stuff like she says stuff to them that like shakes them to their core because right. she just knows things that they that she shouldn't and the people who say she's a crackpot it's either that they're like actively denying something or like yeah you're not always right but like it's yeah. all emotion based and how open you are and like as someone who has done spiritual things and encountered like i've had reiki done on me i've practiced reiki myself it's the japanese art of like universal life energy and pushing it around i've studied qigong and things like that like I'm willing to believe it's how open you are to perceiving it and letting it change and be understood as yeah. circumstantial as to how much they can actually do. Because if a medium comes to someone who's completely blocked off, there's nothing for them to cling on to. But if their person right. is entirely open, like as, as far as people who have like just like witnessed death or overcome death, like those are people who... Um, like get close to psychics often and like people will get mad like other people in the family are like she's mourning and this lady's like uh, like manipulating her but i would like to say and oftentimes like you're being vulnerable and open with this person and as a medium or a psychic they can truly see into your emotional intentions right but it's a good i think that's a really good way to yeah. kind of kind of figure out how to have closure for sure sure uh, per, even if it is just perceived closure it's like, just to say, end, you know, like if you're open to it and it, it and it is something that's true in your perception, it doesn't matter what reason it is they came to that information. Even if they didn't hear it from your dead relative verbatim, if they came across something that pulled a heartstring in a true way, you still experienced it. Yeah. And just like a lot of the things we're talking about, if you experienced it and it was covered up or you can't find evidence or anything like that, like there is magic in the world. It is out there. Yeah. We do live in a reality that is more special than, like, a lot of people would like to let on. Yeah, you just have to, you really just have to keep an open mind to it and just let it happen. Yeah. And you'll, you'll see the magic. You'll see it. Or you won't, and maybe your life will be different. But it's just to say that, like, it's worth being open to see what's truly out there. And it's worth acknowledging that, like, the worse something is or the more intense something is, the more likely it is that's going to be hidden behind certain doors so that things don't go crazy, supposedly, but it's worth looking into and keeping an open eye. So in being possessed, it kind of got me thinking about hive minds. Cause like I just, you kind of experienced one. You experienced another consciousness. Yeah, like and like freely. a shared consciousness with Bill Billerson. Yeah, you were in and out of it. It was weird because it was like I knew they were Bill's memories, but they also felt like mine. And like I still have all of them now. Well, that's cool. I've just changed the jokes a little bit. I will say the mafia ties thing, totally true. Car accident uh, thing, not true at all. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say about that. You guys can look it up if you want. Um, it's kind of hard to find. If you look up Bill Billerson, it doesn't really pull anything up about him. But if you dig deep enough, you might be able to find something one day. Maybe on an AC podcast wiki. Um, I do want to say that everything you just heard was completely, <laughs> totally real. 
And it definitely yeah. happened, and we were both actually I there. Was, I was terrified if you could not tell. Yeah, absolutely mortified. Anyway, so with hive minds, there's like... Like, to me, and through what I experienced with Bill, I also kind of solidified some of these thoughts. Like, a hive mind is multiple bodies that collectively make one consciousness. Many would say that like humans live in a unified consciousness, but just in the, in an effort to just talk about hive minds, I'm going to ignore that. The thing to me is that like, it's like a fly's eye in the lens. Each of them is experiencing something entirely different, but they're all being processed in the same place. So it's to say that a hive mind takes the expanse of a brain. Cause like, if you think of a hive mind, like Rick and Morty does where like it takes over something, it uses that brain capacity to process itself so that it can use your ability to process your own surroundings to process all of your own surroundings, having your consciousness intertwined with it. It's capable of using you guys as neurons, so to speak, on a zoomed out level and have each of your perceptions zoomed into this, what is like the hive brained or the hive mind. And while you would have your own voice and you would play your own role in everything, it's to say that your consciousness would be linked to one entity and one driving force, which would say that their ultimatum or their id or what, they've, what they're trying to perpetuate would be the only thing that you're serving, even if it's a perceived like, like something that you are doing for yourself, like if it adds benefit to you, like in Rick and Morty, it could just be because the entire society needs to benefit because that's the role of a hive mind. I automatically go to like ants or other insects that have like a, a queen of some sort. Like you're doing your own work, you're staying self-sufficient, but you're also a society that has one driving force. One driving force, exactly. One reason to really, one thing to keep alive. And yeah, like you're saying with ants, it's literally like perpetuate my existence. The mother creates us all. And if ants are truly a hive mind, it's to say that they know they will be born again as another ant to serve the hive mind. Or they know yeah. that they are one with the queen. But it's a, it sucks because like the ants and other beings like bees and such that have these hive minds, hence the term hive mind, it comes from bees. Their brains are too small for us to process their capacity of understanding or even that link of like right. what drives them. So we, we, we call it primal instinct and can explain it like any other brain with like neurons that fire very specifically and like constantly do to tell them to perpetuate yeah. their existence because like it is to say in nature, they too. say all nature does is validate its own existence. Right. And with like insects, they have, they have antennas and they communicate through I, i'm assuming they communicate like through their mind in a way well but like i would say so too but that science just says that it's it's extrasensory like they don't really communicate it's just like i know another bee is close so i'm gonna move right but i i mean I've, i just think I, with all life it communicates on a level that we can understand because we're not bees you know what i mean right dolphins have bigger brains than us and their brains um, like have a very similar shape and structure to ours Right, and they're but they don't talk. Very but like, smart. if they're that smart, they probably just choose not to, or choose to like let like they play the fool. They let us think that we're smarter, but like, mm -hmm. I would like to believe the dolphins are smarter than us. I could see that. For I think sure. a lot of quote unquote primal species are smarter than us because like, yeah, sure, they're not on the internet and like talking and stuff, but like, it's because they have found a more meaningful existence. Yeah, they. I mean, for they're free of distraction. True. True. If you like distractions, episode 3 will come shortly after episode 2, and by shortly I mean I have no idea. This is just a good distraction though, am I right? But anyway, it's like, you, s you see something and if it doesn't work the way that you do, people almost always want to call it simple, or primal, mm -hmm. but like, maybe it's not. Yeah, I mean, maybe I could you're simple in it comparison to it. I'm one to believe that the next evolution for humankind is um, talking through feelings or with our minds. Honestly, yeah, like more of just, a fourth dimensional perspective. It just makes I that, think that, that would that make goes sense. in line with like transcendentalism. 
which in the 70s was widely considered as like, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. I feel you. I could definitely see that because, I mean, as as you can see with humans anyway, communication's becoming shortened, becoming easier to do with just, I don't know, like, like for instance, American Sign Language is a big thing. Obviously, it's been around for centuries, a long time, and... Um, but there's so many different ways for people to communicate. I think we just kind of picked one and ran with it. Yeah, I feel you. I'm going to move this mic a little bit. You're bouncing in between the right and left ear. Oh, okay. don't think that's going to matter a whole lot, but... Um, there's a lot that goes into consciousness and... Yeah, and why? a lot that goes into... Like, because if you want to talk about evolution, like, like I brought up with dolphins, like, there are some people who break it down, like, some people are like if you trace their roots back it would go to fish some people if you trace their roots back it only goes to mammals some traits like you know what i mean because like all these different things evolved and became different things became different types and did this 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 that whatever but there's an idea that like it's not just one line that's evolution that you can put all those skulls there because they're all similar but like some are more evolved from birds some are more evolved from monkeys some are more evolved from fish and so they would have a different understanding a different way of operating a different way of doing that and i think that stuff's fascinating because like one i guarantee you we're never going to be able to prove it and two right Something that excites me is that, like, people who are religious are always like, no, evolution's bad because God just made everything. But, like, what if he made everything to evolve in that way? Yeah. What if the way that it was created, like, the Big Bang, widely regarded by atheists as true, widely regarded by Christians as sacrilege, but, like, if God just said, it's created, I'm pretty sure there would be a pretty big bang of creation. Yeah, you he, know could what have, I mean? he could have had already... And if you can explain that on a scientific level, I'm sure God would be like, nice. Right. Way to figure it out. Not, you cannot begin to understand omniscience. I'm sure it would just be like, yeah, that's exactly what I did. I got a Higgs particle and a Higgs boson and combined them, except I call those things one and two, and those make three, which is your universe. Because we're never going to yeah. pinpoint it and know exactly the way he interpreted it, if he exists, or however you want to interpret it. Me, personally, I like to perceive what is creation as an energy force that is both capable of omniscience and also not alive, but also... It's everything. It is everything. existence. Yeah. And not existence. Like, it can be both spoken with, yet... And, like, just... Yes. <laughs> yes. It, if it is, yes. If it isn't, uh-huh. It's kind of hard, but... To say that, like, we figured it out in any sense ever is audacious. And there's a guy, it's one of those really aggressive entrepreneur guys, and there's a quote by him right now that says, um, anyone who says they've got it figured out is wrong because figuring out life is a life game. Exactly. That's. I don't think we're ever going to figure everything I out. I don't think you do until you're dead, and even then it's, like, probably circumstantial of your perception at the time. I think it would, if we ever figure out exactly where we come from, it'll be around the time that the world ends, you know? It's going to be... Sure. And even then, can you believe it? Because, like, what if it's just a really powerful force? You really... There's like, no... what if this, this giant yeah. thing comes to be and says, I'm Satan, because it knows what we think Satan is, and so we think heaven and hell is real, but then when we die, we get reincarnated? Yeah. Like, who fucking knows? It could be, it could be a combination of a lot of stuff. And that's, we kind of touched on this last time, and like, I don't know, we, we kind of touched, I mean, we talked about the Warrens, and I got possessed, so like, death is going to be a subject here, but like, the, we should do a thing on another podcast sometime about um, Alan Watts, he has a lecture called What Happens After Death. The beginning of that lecture starts with him talking about the idea of like, if you believe in a world that is, you have to simultaneously recognize and acknowledge a world that isn't. Yeah, And a lot of people believe that when we die, we go to this isn't world. But when he talks about it, he's like, it's nothingness. And nothingness, by definition, is nonsense. And you can't exist in nonsense because it's imperceivable. And if it's imperceivable, then it's to say we can't exist there. Right, exactly. So, and, that's- and his whole thing is that he describes like life and death. He's like, even if you don't believe in reincarnation, you believe in transferal energy because that's how it works. If, like, he's like, here's two facts. Someone is always dying. Someone is always being born. 
he was like, if you believe in transfer of energy, which is widely regarded as fact, then that would just make obvious sense to you. Yeah. Energy can't be created or destroyed. Someone has died and a baby has been born. Even if you have no recollection of your past life, even if you are an entirely separate entity, that energy supports is still being transferred. Definitely supports the... Um the shared consciousness yeah it does because that's the thing if you wipe the slate clean every time that would explain shared consciousness and how we can support it without freaking out here's the thing but it would also explain the universe ever expanding here i need to touch back because this is gonna we're gonna go into another subject probably but um as the population of man grows the population of our animal friends usually declines so that could even be (laughs) Yeah, man, and then you have those people who, like, they seem a lot more animal in their perceptions. That's in their true. actions. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's a cool way to think about it. That guy it. could have just been a dog in his past life. So if the universe is ever expanding, it's to say that every time the slate is cleaned, the experiences from that soul go somewhere and expand outward to create yeah. more. And then if we think about... Because each of your own perceptions, if they're entirely worldly, unique, it creates more. Yeah, outer-worldly. Outer-worldly. Their perceptions as well create yeah. this expanding universe. So and like, maybe that's where we can get some of our more. That's a big thing to open-minded, ask. like, yeah, outerworldly thinkers. Like maybe those people. If have we seen that instead, like, because they say now, like, we're probably more akin to a duality-based consciousness. What if we were an infinity-based consciousness? That would be sick. I, I, there would be no limitations. I mean, there, it could be that way. Yeah, it could. True. I, that's. I truly like to believe that your perceptions are circumstantial of just that. Your perceptions. So if you liked, or if you choose to live in a duality-based consciousness, you will. But like, if you're someone like me and you're interested in an infinity-based <clears throat> consciousness, you might look into things like Taoism and like an infinite paths and. Um, the concept of predestination if there are infinite paths because at that point even if it's predetermined it's off of an infinite number of statistics so it's predetermined until you make an action and then there's an infinite number of possibilities and then whatever happens there it could be pre- like it's right. predetermination in an infinite universe is kind of like an oxymoron yeah like one of those one of those make your own adventure books but with an unlimited amount of pages to flip to. I do want to pull away from this just a second to say, if you hear... That's Darth Vader. It's Darth Vader. So, judge us, but we hang out with Darth Vader and you don't, so... Anyway. But yeah, that's... So, it is infinite. It is everything. It is out there. And a hive mind is essentially the exact same thing, except at some capacity, there is something that processes all that information and utilizes that knowledge to get something done. So maybe in that aspect, we're all a hive mind. So that's why I was possessed by Bill Billerson, because he has the same source code as me. Which means he could have been Bill Pillerson in the past life. That could be a thing, too. Who knows? I am prone to humor. The world is unknown. We've scratched the surface. We've barely scratched the surface. And if we are all a hive mind, I'm happy that my mind exists in the same hive as all of you. Just to add a little bit of salt to these mashed potatoes... If you do believe that we are a unified consciousness, then in order to keep history from repeating itself, we have to acknowledge that at any given time, we are a progressive community or a regressive community. And whichever one we are is going to determine our future. And it's up to us as a hive mind, as a unified consciousness, to determine what direction we're going to think to perpetuate our society in the direction that it needs to go in. Okay, so we've essentially covered the basic grounds of life force energy, or like different kinds, like consciousness, 
like uh, Pokemon, Pokemon, being, the energy that is required to take matter into binary, which led into the Warren family and the different creatures that come from different mythologies, which led us to meeting and me being possessed by our friend Bill Billerson and having a more comprehensive look into what the, what is life force energy. And that is something that I know a little bit about, that I know Nomad does as well, but it may be just be in a different perspective. But I will say I'm sure we can both recognize that there is not enough science and research done on or in that field. I agree. Generally speaking, we, we have a lot of different types of energy, but we never discuss the energy that we have just naturally. You know, people talk about how you need food for energy, but, like, we naturally have energy when we're born. We have that... Yeah. Well, and there's, like, literally, like, they talk about a spark of life. Mm-hmm. For sure. And like, like, some people don't believe that babies have consciousness. Yeah. For example. So it could be a spark that comes later, even. Exactly. And there are some that, like, that will back this up that say... When in, in matters of the soul, like when the body dies, there's like, you lose a certain amount of weight and there's 10 pounds in that weight that is unaccounted for as far as like the gas, the waste and the blood and everything that's lost in a dead body. There's like 10 pounds there that are missing that like some theorize as like the weight of consciousness, the energy that drives right. your body holds a physical weight. I could see it, and it. What's weird about the weight is it's it's kind of uplifting. It's like an uplifting. I I can't say that that's what I feel, but being alive, I think I could. I can feel it. Yeah, you know, I would coursing through me that energy. And I'll say that, like in some of these experiences where I've had these thoughts, I had some kind of stimulant driving those perceptions, but I will say that I have had just as intense thoughts stone cold sober but there have been moments where like i really do feel it's like a fire that's floating almost it pulls yeah. you up and forward like you're on a path like on a conveyor belt it's indescribable almost but like i'm you know i'm trying to put it into words it's just like a balloon inside of you that's like really hot that just pulls you up and forward Right. All right. Maybe that's consciousness. Maybe that's just a, a perception I had in a very clouded state of mind or euphoric state of mind, however you'd like to put it. But there's more to it than what we have out publicly. Yeah. And I, the thing is, they've tried to do research, especially with different, different um, euphoric... Um, substances. substances for sure the government has done a lot of research with that kind of stuff to try for example to try to get dolphins to communicate with humans they mm -hmm. use that LSD experiment that to people get men to try to kill goats with their minds yep and, and maybe it's maybe opening their mind up to more more than they know more like it's and feeding it. The drug in particular is an extrasensory drug. And it's to say that it heightens your perceptions, what the human mind is capable of, so to speak. Most of this stuff comes from the 70s. And that's where you get theories like transcendentalism. And you get people starting to look into DMT as well and trying to figure out like the true mechanisms of the human consciousness and the subconscious. What happens when we're sleeping? What like We're still alive, yet we're not physically doing anything yet our minds perceive something like it's a lot of research was done into that and then when one the war on drugs but more just like the perception of drugs and that reality came into place those theories doctrines everything was just kind of put on the back burner and seen as like almost pseudoscience because well yeah, he's a doctor, but he spent all of his college years doing drugs, and it's now just, he uses his chemistry knowledge. It's the same as alchemy back in yeah. way back when. Fuck yeah, that's a solid way to put it. It I think People they literally it, took everything Isaac Newton said as like fact, and then when it gets to the alchemy part, they're like, 
Uh, no, he was a crazy witch person. He, I don't want... <laughs> he did stuff that just seemed unnatural. And, and He was trying to make gold out of blood. Like, shit like that. Which I believe is fucking cool as shit, but yeah. you know... I think I that think is we some stop when we start seeing. Shit. Why don't we do shit like that? Sorry, keep going. I think we stop doing this research when we see something like uh, it's useful, but um, it becomes too much. For, I mean, we've talked about it. It becomes too much for society to handle, and that's what the people who find this out think. Yeah, because you're with a lot of alchemists, and like Full Metal Alchemist does talk about some actual alchemy, but they were trying to find specific stones that would have specific qualities in them and like some alchemists were like they said that their work totally did happen there's a lot of things like one i will say that like history like sun tzu um the art of war history is written by the victor so if you have a bunch of savage primal people destroy a society of people who use magic and alchemy and potions and all these things and to them, it's a natural resource. To everyone else, these Neanderthals, if you will, it's like, what the fuck? They're making these rocks right. glow. Like, whatever they found out, whatever science it was at the time, because that's what I truly think it was. Science was misinterpreted by a shadowed mind. I and agree. And was like, ah, oh, they're all fucking crazy wizards. We gotta kill them and destroy all their history so nobody knows. Also, the church being so prominent at the time. <laughs> the church being the government at the time. Yeah. Truly. And churches should never run science. Cause well, and like when paganism got really big, the church came out and was like, Hellfire and brimstone, you think paganism's cool? Here's Dante's Inferno. It shows that all your pagan gods are actually just demons that are under the order in the 66 legions of hell and 666 legions of hell and fuck you and all this shit. And then that almost drove people away from the religion mm -hmm. and they come back around a century later with... Um, forgiveness and the true jesus doctrine and the on my way here i saw a sign that says no shame so yeah in a church sign that mm -hmm. said no that shame. was a new the, the catholic church did that to kind of like it was a love thing it was so you could come and let go of your what if, held you back and if of anyone's ever been yourself. to church you kind of feel a little bit of shame yeah being in it so at it's the time of, like so in, in the 14th century people wanted to punish themselves because of or some like the church wanted you to want to punish yourself because we were sinners we were this we were that and our drive was to be better than we were once we felt like we were better and had more of an understanding they had to change the doctrine mm -hmm. or people were just gonna be like nah that's not for me because yeah i don't feel like a shitty person right they for were being alive for mm -hmm. being born yeah so the catholic church was like well you shouldn't feel bad because that's why jesus died exactly which some i mean so you don't as far as you look back like yeah that is that's that is why the dude killed himself they just finally accepted it at the time which they did accept him dying for our sins they just said like you're so shitty for having to have him do that and then turned it into what was regarded as the true message any right. inaccuracies anything like that if you know more about the catholic church i know i have personal friends who have gone to school for this kind of stuff hit me with the fucking truth man Throw a book at me. I'll read it. I will not. I will not. Um, and because of this next point, and Tommy, you don't have to try it in on here because it's going to get a little, a little much, I think. Ooh, okay. But here we go. Talking about hive minds, talking about consciousness, talking about LSD and mind control, and then talking about church, like they, it's it's a practice of mind control. It's a practice of if you take it too far, if you have this information embedded so much, you can you can start to get people. I will to chime do the in right on this, thing. and I don't want this. Okay, here's I want to preface this beforehand. I'm not saying I'm saying I'm saying any any community where information is handed down like that, mm -hmm. you can have a no, lot it's of dangerous. misinformation. Too. While it is dangerous. There are some people, there are some churches, there are some groups, there are some organizations that don't fall under the category that we're talking about. Oh, 100%. No. It's just disappointing that a large majority, it's this subservient model. I think we can all agree it's that... consumerist Christian. We can all agree that the, like, the Roman Catholics 
in the time when they were ravaging through other communities was a bad thing. The Crusades when, and, was horrible. So, if if you think about it like that, like I have a lot of Christian friends. I mean, and I don't That's think they're wrong. I mean, I don't know what happened. I don't know how our world was created. It's not that. Yeah, it's not to say that we're saying you're wrong. It's but just to, to say. say to say to pick rules out for people is the problem because just like I don't know they really don't have enough evidence yet to they just got guesses you just have to think about what your church is saying when you're there if you go there and it's like they're filling you full of shame they're giving you a way to get out of that shame by the same force that's giving you the shame like if it's and I'm not trying because that's just too broad for all religions it's the words that they say it's the way that they present it. Like, if the whole guise is, you're wrong if you don't believe me, you will be punished if you don't believe me. But if you do believe me, you'll be safe and everything's okay. It's fear. They're feeding on your fear. Well, yeah. Which you don't is, want to die a bad person. You don't want your community they're, to they're think feeding you're a bad your person. Ignorance. They're feeding on ignorance and, and ignorance, feeding on fear. Ignorance, ignorance is, is not fear. a bad thing. Ignorance we, is fear, but it's not a bad My significant thing. other and I got in a conversation the other day about how the human condition is fear. Every decision we make, even if it's a decision made out of love, at its root, it's still based out of fear. Right. I agree with that. So, to an some of the most popular churches, and I will say, like... I am willing to toss names, but, like, it's not a surprise to anyone. Like, churches like Joel Osteen... And, like, um, the crossings churches, like, super churches, where you've got hundreds of thousands of people in one building. Yeah. You've got an entire orchestra performing there. You've got a preacher who's got, dang, 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 that organ music in the background. He's like, let me tell you about my friend Jesus. Yeah. The issue with that stuff is it's literally, like, they are pandering to your fear and they are using their fear to get subservience. They're using that subservience to get money to perpetuate their existence so that they can do more to back up their own research and make themselves look smart so that ignorant people fear them as well. True. It's a monopoly on fear. And it's like, then you wonder, like, Joel Osteen's got this $1.4 billion house with two Olympic-sized swimming pools. And people are like, what? That's ridiculous. Like, his church is, like, what? Exactly. 25,000 people go to his church. Mm-hmm. And it's televised. And it's televised. And you can tithe over the phone. There's, like, millions, too. At the actual building. I'm pretty sure it's a lot bigger than that. So, quick chime in for my significant other. Um, she doesn't think it's that small. So, I am going to look up the size. What is the occupancy of Joel Osteen's church. I'm seeing a lot of stuff. Joel Osteen, the Lakewood church. Weekly capacity. attendance, 52,000. The capacity is 16,000. The capacity is 16,000, 16,800. But the weekly attendance is 52,000. That is a lot Those more. people, a large majority of them tithe, and then you have the option to tithe over the phone, and he's been doing this for 15 years. Why does he have such a big house? Because you're Cause afraid <laughs> and you're ignorant. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything rude other than the truth. You're afraid and you're ignorant. So I know it is heavy for us to get on this, and like... I don't want anyone who is a part of these religions to feel like they are attacked because I do believe in your freedom to perceive and experience whatever you want. But it's to say that if that gets in the way of other people doing so, and that starts to affect the economy in the way that it does, and people don't realize it, and it has this shield because, well, you can't say that because it's my religion. Like, you're just abusing, um, what's the word? Not common sense. Um... You're just abusing common kindness, sensibility. Yeah. You're going to make it harder for people to tolerate any religion if you make your religion so free from everything. He has, doesn't have to pay taxes on that money he gets. Yeah. That's fucking ridiculous. Yep. Yep. And, and if he was truly a good person and truly followed the doctrine that he preaches, 
you wouldn't be doing that. So it's not to he say he would be closer with everybody he talks to. You don't see him going into the audience. You don't see him touching anyone's hands or anything like you that. Don't and if see he does, he's on a stage. Money. He's like Justin Bieber up there. It's ridiculous. It really is. And a true religious person following their doctrine does good things for the community unless their religion and their doctrine is based in evil, which is in this day and age is rare. Yeah, and it's it's the problem is where you so this stuff is worth looking into, if not to find more science about why we're alive and what happens afterward, if not for all of us to come to more of a unified understanding of what life is and what happens afterward, so that we can all better regulate these religious practices, these things. Like it's, I know it was broad, and, but the, the main subject was this. If you don't understand and you go into it with fear, it is easily manipulated and made bad. But if you choose to have an open perception and recognize where you can take control, it's not that bad. And read, read books yourself. If you go to church, your read, perceptions the, of read the Bible yourself. Like, yeah. That's, I 100% Read as many religious texts as you want. It's not sacrilegious. Like if you're a Catholic person, Christian person whose family takes it very seriously, it's not sacrilegious for you to really read another religious doctrine. I mean, in fact, if you go to school for religion or apologetics or anything like that, you're going to have to. Yeah, it's important to see the similarities so that you know and what other people written, feel. Some like. religions were written side by side, the same century and everything, and it's it could be that it's different interpretations of the same thing. We're all alive, and that means it's worth looking into life. We're all going to die, and that means it's worth looking into death. Alan Watts says the most creative thoughts he ever had when he thought about the intricacies of life and death. And while it can be a morbid subject, if you don't let it be, it's something that is far more educational and creative and fun than anything else you can confabulate on, because this is something that you will never have the answer to. Ever. Until it happens. I agree. Thanks for coming to the AC Podcast. I've been Tommy Ayers. I've been Nomad with the G, like a gnome. And that just happened. I want to remind everyone that everything that happens in this podcast is totally real and definitely not scripted and was not just something that was created by two people that took a whole lot of energy and time and was very hard to do and is a desperate attempt to showcase talents that the two parties might have. In any case, thanks for watching the AC. I've been Tommy Ayers. And I've been Nomad with the G. And we'll catch you next time. Holy shit! Holy shit!